Hey, it's that time. Chip. 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 What? It's time. Oh, yep, it's time. Here we are. <laughs> Chip and Eric reading through the Bible. Yes. That's what we do. Eric, today is day 99. Wow. Day is it really? It is. Oh my gosh. It so feels good. like just yesterday was day 98. Yeah. Well, it was. Wow. Hey, today we're going to read 2 Samuel chapter 16, starting with verse 5. We're going to go all the way to 2 Samuel 19 yeah. into verse 23. Oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be good. I can't wait. You're excited. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't even put the lid on I'm those very dates. Excited. Let's be clear. I'm just kind of we've, I mean, it's mostly me, but we've crushed these dates. It is definitely mostly me. Yeah, Eric and I are a big fan of dates and figs. Oh, yeah. That's good. Okay, well, we better get to it, Eric. If you say so. Mm-hmm. As King David came to Baharim, a man came out of a village cursing them. It was Shimei, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Abishai, son of Zeruiah, demanded. Zeruiah? 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 Zeruiah. Yeah. Zeruiah. Demanded, let me go over and cut off his head. No, the king said. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zeruiah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and all of his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way, so they rested when they reached the Jordan River. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the army of Israel arrived at Jerusalem, accompanied by Ahithophel. When David's friend Hushai, the archite, arrived, he went immediately to see Absalom. Long live the king, he exclaimed. Long live the king. Is this the way you treat your friend David? Absalom asked him. Why aren't you with him? I'm here because I belong to the man who was chosen by the Lord and by all men of Israel, Hushai replied. And anyway, why shouldn't I serve you? Just as I was your father's advisor, now I will be your advisor. Then Absalom turned to Ahithophel and asked him, What should I do next? Ahithophel told him, Why don't you go and sleep with your father's concubines, for he has left them here to look after the palace. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation, and they will throw their support to you. So they set up a tent on the palace roof where anyone could see it, and Absalom went in and had sex with his father's concubines. Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice, just as David had done. For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it come directly from the mouth of God. Now Ahithophel urged Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I'll catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. Then I will only kill the king and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it is only one man's life that you seek. Then you'll be at peace with all the people. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But then Absalom said, bring in Hushai the archite. Let's see what he thinks about this. Well, when Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Ahithophel had said. Then he asked, what is your opinion? Shouldn't we follow Ahithophel's advice? If not, what do you suggest? 
Well, Hushai replied to Absalom, This time Ahithophel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men. They are mighty warriors. Right now they are enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is experienced man of war. He won't be spending the night among the troops. He is probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks and a few of your men fall, there will be panic among your troops and the word will spread that Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest soldiers, though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty warrior father is and how courageous his men are. I recommend that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away as Dan in the north and Beersheba in the south. That way you'll have an army as numerous as the sand of the seashore, and I advise you that you personally lead the troops. When we find David, we'll fall on him like uh, dew falls on the ground. Then neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. And if David were to escape into some town, you'll have all Israel there at your command. Then we can take ropes and drag the walls of the town and the nearest valley until every stone is torn down. Then Absalom and all his men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Ahithophel's. For the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. Hushai told Zadok and Abiathar the priests, what Ahithophel had said to Absalom and the elders of Israel and what he himself had advised instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go across at once into the wilderness beyond. Otherwise, he will die and his entire army with him. Jonathan and Ahimaaz had been staying at En Rogel so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message they were able they were to take to King David. But a boy spotted them at En Rogel, and he told Absalom about it. So they quickly escaped to Baharim, where a man hid them down inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put cloth over the top of the well and scattered grain on it to dry in the sun, so no one suspected they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen Ahimaaz and Jonathan? The woman replied, They were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ahithophel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people went with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other bank before dawn. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had, had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. Whew, he died there and was buried in the family tomb. David soon arrived at Mahanaim. By now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Absalom had also appointed Amasa as commander of his army, replacing Joab, who had been the commander under David. Amasa was Joab's cousin. His father was Jether, an Ishmaelite. His mother, Abigail, daughter of Nahash, was the sister of Joab's mother, Zeruai. Absalom and the Israelite army set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Mahanaim, he warmly greeted. He was warmly greeted by Shobi, son of Nahash, who came from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and by Machir, son of Amiel from Lodabar, and by Barzillai of Gilead from Ragalim. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, and cheese 
for David and those who were with him. For they said, you must not all be hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. You must all be very hungry, tired, and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. Mm-hmm. David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed the generals and captives, captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing them, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruai, and one under Ittai, the man from Gath. The king told his troops, I am going out with you. But his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will only be looking for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better that you stay here in the town and send and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. For my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began at the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men laid down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. Well, during the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree. His hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and let him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. <laughs> what? Joab demanded. You saw him there? You didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would, have, I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied to Joab. We all heard the king say to you and Abishai and Ittai, For my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had been tr- betrayed the king by killing his son, and the king would certainly find out who did it, you yourself would be the first to abandon me. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said, that he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled, still alive, in the great tree. Then ten of Joab's younger armor-bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it, and all Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's monument to this day. Then Zadok's son Ahimaaz said, Let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. No, Joab told him it wouldn't be good news to the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, Go tell the king what you've seen. And the man man bowed and ran off. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab, Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son, Joab replied. There will be no reward for your news. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. Joab finally said, all right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by the way by way of the plain and ran to Mahanaim ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted down, Here comes another one. The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, the watchman said. He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried to the king, cried out to the king, everything is all right. He bowed low before the king with his face to the ground and said, praise the Lord your God who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my lord the king. What about young Absalom, the king demanded, is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, when Joab had told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was happening. 
Wait here, the king told him. So Ahimaaz stepped aside. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for my lord, the king. Today the lord has rescued you from all those who have rebelled against you. What about young Absalom, the king demanded? Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord, the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. As all the people heard the king's deep grief for his son, the joy of that day's victory was turned turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town that day as though they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying, Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, We saved your life today and the lives of your sons and your daughters and your wives and your concubines. Yet you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. If it seems that Absalom... It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops, for I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you'll be worse off than ever before. So the king went out and took his seat at the town gate. And as the news spread throughout the town that he was there, everyone went to him. Meanwhile, the Israelites who had supported Absalom fled to their homes. And throughout all tribes of Israel, there was much discussion and argument going on. The people were saying... The king rescued us from our enemies and saved us from the Philistines, but Absalom chased him out of the country. Now Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, is dead. Why not ask David to come back and be our king again? King David sent Zadok and Abiathar the priest to say to the elders of Judah, Why are you the last ones to welcome back the king into the palace, his palace? For I have heard that all Israel is ready. You are my relatives, my own tribe, my own flesh and blood. So why are you the last ones to welcome back the king? And David told them to tell Amasa. Since you are my own flesh and blood, like Joab, my, like Joab, may God strike me and even kill me if I do not appoint you as commander of my army in this place. Then Amasa convinced all the men of Judah, and they responded unanimously. They sent word to the king, Return to us and bring back all who are with you. So the king started back to Jerusalem. When he arrived at the Jordan River, the people of Judah came to Gilgal to meet him and escort him across the river. Shim, Shimi, son of Gera, the man from Baharim in Benjamin hurried across with the men of Judah to welcome King David. A thousand other men from the tribe of Benjamin were with him, including Ziba, the chief servant of the house of Saul, and Ziba's 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed down to the Jordan to meet the king. They crossed the shadows of the Jordan, shallows of the Jordan, to bring the king's household across the river, helping him in every way they could. As the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him. My lord the king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget that terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That is why I've come here today, the very first person in all Israel, to greet my lord the king. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah said, Shimei, Shimei should die, for he cursed the lord's anointed king. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zeruiah? David exclaimed. Why have you become my adversary today? This is not a day for execution, for today I am once again the king of Israel. Then, turning to Shimei, David vowed, your life will be spared. Okay, that's our reading today. So, let's find out what is this telling us about God, and what is this telling us about us? Hmm. Okay. Um, 
you know, with Ahithophel giving advice and counsel that God then rejected, it just reminds me that God's counsel is the best counsel. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we live in a day and age where the we have so much access to content today. It's ridiculous. It's it's crazy, you know. And um, uh, you know, back back in the day, you know, before the internet and all that stuff, you know, it would take a while to gather things and information and to learn things and to get access to things. Today, we can get it like instant, instantly, anything, and and you got to discern what's right and wrong about it and things like that. But there's no, there's not a lack of advice. Today, everybody has advice. Everybody is an expert. Everybody wants to speak. Everybody has a podcast. Yeah. Ours is different. Better. <laughs> Better. Everybody has it, you know. And, and so, really, everybody, you know, it, it can be uh, – it, it's really – we can go down the path of giving advice that's not right or listening to people that has advice that's not right or counsel that's wrong. It seems right. Looks right, feels right. Everybody says it's right, but doesn't mean it is right. So you got to filter through what what is God saying? What's God counsel? Mm-hmm. And he he rejected, he determined to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel because he has a better plan. And so it's you know it's trusting God's counsel above all counsel, filtering all counsel through God's word and what it says. And I I, I read a lot of books, I read a lot of books, and so and I read the book, Which you one? know the Bible. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, every day I, I've done that for a long time. Yeah. And and so what's good about reading the Bible and then reading other books, I read not just Christian books, but sector. Yeah. I read a lot of leadership books. And it's it's I've come to the point now where you can just because I know God's word so much when you come across stuff that just it's not right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound right. It, you know, it's because I know the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can filter that in. It's just like, man, it's just not, not not right. But people buy into it. So, yeah, that's what it says about God to me. I love that. And I'm <laughs> going to go with that. So, oh. um, you know, what's interesting is that uh, Ahithophel's plan was better. It was better. I mean, it says it right there. The Lord determined to defeat the council of Ahithophel, which was the better plan. Hmm. And, uh, but ultimately... It was not the better plan because mm-hmm. it was not in line with the character of God, right? So I think what that tells me about us is that we can get very wrapped up in the plans that we deem are better mm-hmm. because we don't know the full plan of God. Or we won't acknowledge. We, In this case, they wouldn't acknowledge that God God's plan included David on the throne, mm-hmm. right? Like gotcha. he was supposed to be on the throne. So that's the plan that's going to, you know... Hushai's advice is going to get David on the throne, so that's the plan that David, that God's going to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, we we look and we measure and we say, okay, well, this plan works best for this, or you know, we kind of. It's almost like, even as believers, it's almost like we take God's plan out of it and try to make the best plan we can as human beings. And it, the problem is, if it's not in line with God's plan, then it's not a good plan. Right, and That's it's going to be rejected. So, uh, so what's that say about us, man? I guess the way to say it is that um, we sometimes can look at a plan and love it, but only because we've forgotten about God's plan. So, what we need to do with that? So, how you know how do we live? What we need to do with that hmm. is instead of making our plan and bringing it to God to say, "Hey, make this happen," 
we go to God and say, what's your plan so we can make it happen, so we can be part of it, so we can join in on the work and, and be part of what you're doing here mm. um, and submit, submit to God's plan, which is way better than your plan. Yeah. It's way better than my plan. God's yeah. plan is so much better. It's true. So yeah. I think that's what we do is, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making plans. No. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but just the idea that, you know, if you make your plan, don't be so tied to it that, um, hmm. you know, you refuse to see God's plan. Yeah. And if God is telling you something, if God's giving you a plan, don't let other people confound that plan. You know, go with it. Go with God's plan. I think there's a proverb that says... Uh, we make our plans. But God directs... Our steps. Our yeah, steps. God orders yeah, our steps. Yeah. steps. Yeah. yeah. I love that proverb. It's good. Because we should be making plans. Mm-hmm. There are Christians out there that say, yeah. well, I'm not going to make any plans because God's in control. Well, okay. But he wants us to be mm-hmm. active, right? Mm-hmm. The whole book of Second Thessalonians is about how we shouldn't just sit here and wait. We've got to be active and moving. And that's mm-hmm. going to involve planning and logistics and ministry and True. stepping out and being active. So... Okay. But also submissive. It's a yeah. balance. It's a both and. Both and. Yeah. Okay. Both and. Kind of like dates and figs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. Yeah. It's a little morbid. Oh. Chip and Eric mm. on the dark side. Boom, boom, boom. How many daggers in the heart do you think you could take before you died? Because mm-hmm. Absalom took three and then other people killed him. Yeah. That's crazy. I think I could take about half a dagger in the heart. <laughs> they just want to make sure. But that he yeah. wasn't dead. That's I, crazy, yeah, man. Was, yeah. Three yeah. daggers in the heart? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's three more than you're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not supposed to have any daggers in your mm-hmm. heart. I know that. Right. And I, I'm not a doctor or whatever, but like I, yeah. you know, a dabble. Doctor, Dr. Mosher. Someday. Someday it's coming. Not MD, though. Okay. No way. No. Yeah. no. All right. Hey, you guys got to go. I got to go. Eric has to go. No, I'm good. Oh, okay. But you guys have to go, so we'll go. Okay. I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. Okay.